Hey guys, welcome to the number 245 ever episode of Wiz Talk with Chase. I am Chase Coburn, and today we are back with another episode of Wiz Talk with Chase. And in today's episode, we are going to be recapping the Wizards 2022-23 season, breaking down what went right, but mostly for especially when you look at the record that they had, what went wrong. We're going to break down some of my predictions. What did I get correct? What did I not get correct? And then kind of lead into the offseason. We're going to have a whole other episode on the offseason, kind of recapping and leading into the offseason and maybe what we could expect over these next few months going into the 2023-24 NBA season. Hope you guys do enjoy this episode. If you do, subscribe, follow, share, view. Hey, and let's not waste any time here. Let's get into this. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Wiz Talk with Chase. I am Chase Coburn. All right, so where do you start here when you look at this Wizards season? It had a ton of ups, and when I mean it had a ton of downs, oh my goodness, did it have a ton of downs. I mean, this is a team that started off 3-1, and one, and I remember we were getting excited about that. Then they started to lose, and then they were 10-7. and seven, And I went out, and I think I said this on the podcast, and went out there and made the hot take that this was the best Wizards team since that 2017 team with John Wall and Bradley Beal that nearly made the conference finals, losing to the Celtics in seven games in the um, the Celtics with, uh, oh, I think Isaiah Thomas was on that team. Yeah, that was the Isaiah Thomas year. And I, I mean, I meant, I went out and said the bold statement that that was their best team since that year. And then things really started to fall apart to the, to the fact that they went from 10 and 7 to 11 and 20. So they went 1 and 13 in 14 games, ended up losing 10 straight games at one point. So things were just not, things were just not pretty at all off of the Washington Wizards. But then they started to get hot, and they went on a five-game winning streak, won six out of seven, kind of in the in the middle of December, early January, then lost again, and then kind of had that winning streak that kept coming after a losing streak. They won six straight games going into their postponed game against Detroit, then lost three straight, back-to-back 20-point blown leads against Portland and Brooklyn. And then from there, it was just kind of ugly. I mean, they won four out of five going into the All-Star break. For that point, right, you're a 28 and 30 team. And I was kind of coming out here and, and, and saying a lot of props about the Washington Wizards and maybe thinking, and I wrote the article on chasersportsers.com saying they can maybe make the run to succeed. Like, how have the Wizards found their groove? And uh, it, it was just really a great time to be a Wizards fan. And then it wasn't. And then it wasn't. And the Wizards closed the season finishing 8-17. and 17, And it just seemed like loss after loss after loss. Beal was hurt for the majority of the time. Kuzma went down. Then Porzingis went down. Then eventually just no one played. Uh, but it got to a point where the Wizards finished the season losing 5 out of 6. It, it was not pretty at all. I mean, this was a tough season. And I think if you really look at, in hindsight, even though we didn't realize it at the time, that stretch where they went, one and one and thirteen in fourteen games. 
I think none of us really wanted to admit it, but I think that was the point. Because then at that point, you're going nine games below 500. And for a team that continues to get hurt, it seems whenever they seem to get some momentum and start to get healthy, they get hurt. So for a team like that, I think in hindsight, we should have known that when they were 11 and 20, that was it. And there was really no looking back at that point. But I don't think that takes away some of the positives that this Wizards team did bring. Now, look, they didn't really make the big trade deadline move. Rui Hachimura was gone. He was playing well in Washington, but never really developed to get to the point that he needed to be. He's been averaging 13 a game for four years now, and he needed to be gone. They bring in Kendrick Nunn. He has an all right season. But overall, this is a very interesting season. I guess I'll just I'll put it that way. It was an interesting season because this is a team that had three 20-point-per-game. Actually, I'll say that. Let me save that that part about the three 20-point-per-game scores. Let me save that part for the end. Well, let me save that for the end because i got to rant about that. But, I mean, to finish the year, the Wizards have five players on their team averaging double digits. Gafford averaged nine, and Avdia averaged nine as well. So those are almost six guys on the team averaging double digits, and still they were not able to win. And I'll break that down as well. So – uh, before we kind of get into what I kind of thought of the Wizards, let's kind of go through my predictions to kind of see, you know, if I got, I, let's call it right or wrong as a segment. Did I get it right or did I get it wrong? And the MVP, I said, would be Bradley Beal. I said the MVP of the team, not the league, don't worry. <laughs> Please, that would have been terrible. I said the MVP of the team would be Bradley Beal. And in hindsight, it's interesting. Because, I mean, the Wizards went 24 and 26 with Beal, 11 and tw- I think 11 and 20 without him. So, I mean, by that standard, I mean, the Wizards are in a, a, a mediocre. I think Beal is the most valuable player on the team because he takes them from bad to mediocre, I think is the way of putting it. But even when Beal is the most valuable player, you're a mediocre team. And I don't know if the stat now, but like in closing games or something, the Wizards were like 500 with Beal and like, like then, like won like thirty percent of their games closing closing games without Beal. I don't have the exact stat in front of me, but I think that really shows that Beal is the most valuable player on the team. But I think Beal being the most valuable player on the team shows why this team won thirty five games. Was he the best player on the Wizards this year? No, and I'll break that down. But I do think Bradley Beal still is the most valuable player on the Wizards. But that does explain why the Wizards are not winning because he is the most valuable player on the team. Defensive player of the year for the Wizards, I said, would be Daniel Gafford. And I don't think he was our best defensive player this year. I think that award goes to Christos Porzingis. Led the team in blocks. Overall, was just a really good defensive player. Even on the perimeter as well, he was all right. So I'll give him that. Rookie of the year, that's pretty easy. Johnny Davis from Rookie of the Year. I don't even know where Yannick and Zosa is right now. He could not be a part of the organization. I really haven't kept track of him in a really long time. So Johnny Davis easily underperformed in his rookie year. And I think that had to do a lot of why the Wizards had to trade for the extra guard. Um, at the trade deadline from Rui Hachimura. But Johnny Davis, hopefully he develops. He's starting to show some signs, averaging double digits to end the year. So hopefully he can start to develop. But that this season was a complete a, a monstrosity for Johnny Davis. Uh, most improved player, Denny Avdia, um, is who I predicted. And I think that was correct. I think he was easily the most improved player on the Wizards. And the interesting part about a guy like Denny Avdia is, is that, like, I felt like in his first two years, he was very similar. Now, his first year, I think he was just a solid role player or whatever. Maybe not even a solid role player, just a role player in general. And then I feel like he started to take his game to the next level in year two on the defensive side of the ball. But this is the year he needed to start to develop on offense. And he begins the year 
Uh, from the beginning of the year to January 21st, averaging only eight points a game, six boards, 42% shooting from the field, 27% shooting from three. So something needed to be changed, right? And I think the Wizards knew they really uh, were going to spend more of their time developing Avdia uh, than they did Rui Hachimura. So Hachimura was sent off at the deadline, and Avdia closed the season, averaging 11 points a game, seven boards, 45% shooting, 33% from three. He was better. Now, here's the thing. Those stats still don't look like significantly better, and it doesn't explain how much Avdia improved without Rui Hachimura. However, it is because of this one stretch that Avdia had in the middle. He started off when Rui Hachimura was traded really well. 15 points, 10 points, 15 points, 25 points, 2, but then 23, 12, 20, 16. Um, and then he went on a really bad stretch. Let's start here on February 26th. 8 points, 4 points, 6 points, 0 points, 17 points, 7 points, 2 points, 5 points, 4 points, 13 points, 2 points, 3 points. That stretch right there was a very bad stretch for Danny Avdia where he was averaging just 6 points a game on 33% shooting for the field. But outside of that mini stretch that he had that lasted about 10 games, really without really Hachimura, he was a much better player. He, had, he was scoring the ball at a much more productive rate. And according to ESPN, it's in the 97th percentile of defensive rebounding as he really, as he really developed his rebounding game um, this season, which I think was really important. So Denny Avdi easily was the most improved player on the team. And I could see him. The Wizards have not extended a rookie in, let's just say, a really long time. So um, I think that Avdia could be a guy that could be extended. Uh, but I think we have to wait and see here what happens in this offseason. But overall, I think Avdia uh, really took some strides in improvement. Coach of the year, executive of the year, what else do you expect? It's our coach and our executive, West Huntsville Jr. and Tommy Shepard. Now, here are the statistics, leaders. And in my opinion, these are the hardest because I think you could predict, all right, who overall, because the, the MVP is the defensive player of the year. So a lot of that is the eye test. But then you really have to predict statistics, which is even harder. So let's see kind of how I did. Our points per game leader I said would be Bradley Beal. And I'm going to ask you guys whether or not I got this correct. Because Bradley Beal and Christoph Porzingis were tied in the leader of points per game with 23.2 points per game. But Porzingis is considered the leader because he played 15 more games. Both of them qualified for statistics, but Porzingis just played more games. So tell me, should I technically give myself that one or no? Please let me know. For now, I'll say kind of 50-50. I got it and I kind of didn't. But overall, I think I kind of got the general gist of Bradley Beal would be one of the best scorers on the team. Um, so I guess maybe I got it right. I don't know. You guys let me know on that one. Rebounds per game, I got correct. I said Christos Porzingis would lead the team in rebounds. Now, I'd actually like him to average more than 8.4 rebounds per game. Uh, that would just be – I'd prefer that. Um, but, I mean, I, I mean, Avdia did do some rebounding, but for a guy that's 7-3, I would like to see some more rebounding out of him, even though he was the team's leading rebounder this year. Assists per game, I said Monte Morris, and I cannot believe I didn't get this one correct. In my opinion, this one was a really obvious one. It actually went to Bradley Beal, who averaged 5.4 assists per game when Monte Morris averaged 5.3 assists per game, had the best assist-to-turnover ratio in basketball. But again, 5.3 assists compared to 5.4 assists. So I technically got it wrong, but I think I got the general gist as well. I think we could all agree that Monte Morris was a better facilitator this season than Bradley Beal. Steals per game, I said would be Denny Avdia. I don't even think he ranked in the top five in Wizards steals. Yeah, this was not really uh, Avdia. No, he, he ranked fifth. Not a terrific steal year for Avdia, but it was the lot right who led the team in steals with 1.8 steals. All right. Now, let's move on to blocks. 
And by the way, Dwarmer had a great defensive season as a steals per game leader. Blocks, I said Christoph Porzingis would lead. I was correct. He had 1.5. Gafford was close. He had 1.3. But overall, Porzingis is high. I think it was too dominant there. And um, yeah, he got he got 1.5 blocks a game leading the team. Field goal percentage. I think this, this one was obvious to Dano Gafford. He really never takes shots outside of the paint. And when you're taking those high percentage looks, you're bound to be shooting the most efficiently for anybody, bound to be shooting more efficiently than anybody else on the team. So I think that was kind of an easy one to go with Gafford. Three-point percentage. I was the one who predicted the Corey Kisper breakout season, and it was correct. Kisper had an incredible year, averaging double digits, closed the year with an incredible run, led the team in three-point percentage. Great year from Corey Kisper. And I can't wait to see what he can do in year three. But I predicted it. I predicted his breakout season. Free throw percentage, I said would be Bradley Beal. That was horrific by me to pick Bradley Beal. He did not have his best shooting season. He Look, he, he shot decently from the field, but not from the free throw line. 84% for a guy like Beal is just kind of unacceptable um, in that sense. But DeLon Wright led the team in free throw percentage. And then PER, player efficiency rating, I said uh, the leader would be Bradley Beal. The leader was actually Christoph Porzingis, who ranked 18th in player efficiency rating. Beal was second with 45th, and Gafford was third in the, for the team, and he ranked 46th in player efficiency rating. So that's how I did predicting those awards. But how about this? You know that I predict every single Wizards game, even when I don't do a preview here on the podcast. I predict every single Wizards game. Last season, I went 42-40. and 40. That's the definition of a mediocre team. That can maybe get you the seventh seed in a conference. How about for me, 54-28 and 28 in predicting Wizards games this season. That's 65.8% win percentage. That would rank as one of the best teams in the NBA. Think about it. My predicting skills is the same value as the wrong word. I predict basketball game, Wizards basketball games almost as well as the Milwaukee Bucks play basketball games. You got to give me some credit there. 54 and 28 for your boy. Uh, I did want to improve. I said from 42 and 40, and I jumped up to 54. Let's improve next year. Let's even just go 55 and 27. Let's see what we could do. And I really wish that my predicting skills run into how the Wizards did as well, because I'd love to see the Wizards win 54 games. They did not win 54 games. They actually won about 20 less. They won 35 games this year, the Wizards. They won 35 games. I personally said this season they would win 43 games. That was off. I said they'd be the 10th seed. They were actually the 12th seed. But same record as last season, 35 and 47. That's the exact same record as last season. How does this happen? To be honest, I'm sitting here right now in awe because I really do not know why this Wizards team didn't win. That's the confusing part. Is that like they were just so bad at the end of the year? The fact that they were thirty and thirty-two, and the rest of the season ruined Mad Dog's big wager on the Wizards. He said they needed thirty, they needed thirty-six wins. The fact that they finished the year with thirty-five wins, the fact that they finished the year five and fifteen—that's pathetic. That is plain patheticism. I always say that word; it's not a word. That's just that's just pathetic. In fact, you finish year 5-15 and 15 for a team that's paying a guy the second most money in the NBA in Bradley Beal. And I know some people want to blame the supporting cast around Bradley Beal. He's complaining and saying he's frustrated, but he's at peace, but could easily request a trade if he wasn't right or whatever. I don't know what the heck he was saying at that point. But look. Chris Porzingis had a career year to most people. Kyle Kuzma had a career year, averaging 21.2 points a game. Corey Kispert had a career year. Monte Morris had a very solid year. Denny Avdia had a career year. Daniel Gafford had a career year. And they won 35 games. 
who are you pointing fingers at? You can't blame it at Porzingis. He did all he could. You can't blame it at Kuzma. He did all he could. You know who you want to blame it on? Bradley Beal. That's it. That's the player. That is the player you need to blame it on. I get that he is the most valuable player on the team, and I get that he is probably, even though I personally think it's Porzingis, he is probably the best player on the team. However, there has to be a point where you got to point fingers. Ever since I got rid of Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook and Beal is truly, they've had to build the team exactly around Beal to exactly what Beal has needed. He has averaged 23 points a game. I'm glad that he improved his efficiency this year, but he still could not lead a team in the fourth quarter. He still could not lead a team in the fourth quarter. And that is concerning. And eventually, there are two guys you can point fingers at when everybody else has a career year. It's the best player, and it's the coach. Could Weston Sun Jr. be replaced? Quite possibly. I mean, they got rid of Scott Brooks. Scott Brooks had much more, tremendous more success than Weston Sun Jr. has had so far. And it really makes you rethink if the Wizards should have hired Weston Sun Jr. for the job and if they should move on. I think that those 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 have to be things that are going through Ted Leonce's mind right now and Tommy Shepard's mind right now because clearly he may not be doing the coaching job that the Wizards need. There's so many guys you can point fingers at, but I think it's really Bradley Beal and it's West Sunset Jr. But more Bradley Beal when you are when you make fifty million dollars a year, of course, that then you're usually a superstar talent, a guy that you are going to be building your team around. And the Wizards did that. They have built their team around Bradley Beal. And that explains why they're a 35-win team, because building your team around Bradley Beal takes everything you need. The Wizards are in the luxury tax right now. They are in a terrible cap space situation to build around one player, and that one player cannot do his job, which is to be a leader and at least lead a playoff basketball team. He can't even do that. So. The Wizards are stuck. Nobody's going to want him for four more years now. They're going to have to pay because the Wizards are in such a bad calorie space uh, space situation where Kyle Kuzma is going to decline his $13 million player option, and he's going to need an extension. If the Wizards let him go, they don't free up much more money. He's basically unreplaceable. They're going to have to pay him a big bag, probably around $70, $80 million. Porzingis could possibly decline his $36 million player option, and same thing, unreplaceable. They're probably going to have to pay him. Uh, an extension of four years, $188 million. That right there puts the Wizards in even a worse cap space situation and is going to have to have to let go of guys like Corey Kisper in a few years or Denny Avdia next season and others because they're going to have so much money locked into a top three that one can hardly play together because they don't play because of injuries. And number two, that just won't win when they do play. So these are the problems, right? And it all starts because they have to build the team around Bradley Beal and give him the super dollar mega max contract, whatever you want to call it. These are the problems that are going on with the Washington Wizards. The Wizards are the only team in basketball to have three players averaging over 21 points a game. They're one of two teams in the NBA that have three players averaging 20 or more points a game. You know the other team that has that? The Philadelphia 76ers. You know why the 76ers are good? Because they play their role well. They don't, they don't give their superstar the biggest contract on the planet, even though he's much better. They have a superstar, number one. They have the MVP of the NBA and not the real deal, twisted steel, whatever you want to call him. And they don't pay that guy as much money as they pay Beal. So they can afford to have guys like James Harden, Tobias Harris. They can afford to build more depth. 
and build a really quality basketball team. I mentioned how the Wizards nearly had six players averaging double figures. You know what team has six players averaging double figures this year? The Denver Nuggets, the number one seed in the Western Conference, a team that could easily compete for an NBA championship this year. You know why they're not in the situation that the Wizards are at? Well, they paid their superstar money, fine, but that superstar is a back-to-back reigning MVP, one of the greatest offensive talents, especially a facilitator that the game has ever seen, and I built a well-rounded team because they don't lock up so much money into a certain amount of players. This is the problem. This is the problem. If Bradley Beal was a Nikola Jokic or a Joel Embiid or a Giannis or even a Luka Doncic, and that team isn't even in the playoffs, I think the Wizards would be in a much better spot, but he's not. There's a complete argument to say that Beal's not a top 25, maybe even to some people, 30 player in basketball. And they're paying in the second most money. So think about how much it's going to take to have to build a team around that one player. So this Wizards offseason is going to be interesting because they're probably, even though they have the slight odds, if they somehow get Victor Wembanyama, the tone of my voice changes completely. But as of right now, it looks like the Wizards are going to get the seventh overall pick, draft another wing from a good school, Cam Whitmore, Sir Thompson, whatever, draft another wing from a good school, probably not be able to sign him in three years, and have another 35-win team. Congratulations to the 2022-23 Washington Wizards, ladies and gentlemen. This is what I have to deal with. But overall, despite everything I just ranted about for about five minutes, it was a fun se- it was a fun season. I mean, look, it had the ups and downs, but they had the winning streaks. There were times where I really had fun as a Wizards fan, and then I didn't have fun as well. But, I mean, there were a lot of times that I did have fun as a Wizards fan this year. And because of that, like I did last season, I would like to give a shout-out to the – I can't count that right now – the – all the players that did play a part of the Washington Wizards this year that made this 47-year season here on Wiz Talk with Chase, 47-episode season here on Wiz Talk with Chase, as fun as it could have possibly been. Thank you so much to Bradley Beal, Christoph Porzingis, Kyle Kuzma, Monte Morris, Denny Avdia, Rui Hachimura, Corey Kispert, Johnny Davis, DeLon Wright, Jay Huff, Kendrick Nunn, Daniel Gaffer, Quentin Jackson, Xavier Cooks, Jordan Chacal, Isaiah Todd, Jordan Goodwin, Will Barton, Todd Gibson, Anthony Gill, Devon Dotson, and Jamari Boyer. Thank you. You thank all of you. I thank all of you guys if somehow are listening to this for an incredible season here on Wiz Talk with Chase. And I mean, yeah, it was interesting. Unfortunately, we were not able to get on too many guests on Wiz Talk with Chase this year. I know we had like my cousin on, but we never really we were never really able to get that guest on, if that makes sense. So I am sorry we didn't have that, but I am gonna try to get some guests on here on the off season. And I know in the off season we usually quiet down, but I don't want to quiet down. I'm gonna be giving you guys some draft coverage and we may only be going once a week for the next few weeks, basically until the lottery time. Uh, because there's a lot going on, NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, sports for kids. I got to cover. I got a bunch of different stuff going on. So once a week is probably what you guys should be expecting for the foreseeable future until basically a, a week before the lottery, and then we're going to start posting more. But yeah, I mean, I hope you guys did enjoy the season and get 47 episodes, not as much as the 104 that we did have last season. But overall, I think the season was great. I had a ton of fun. I hope you guys had a ton of fun listening um yeah this is an interesting season i felt like it was last season all over again except without the big trade deadline move uh but we'll, we'll see what happens again kuzma avdia porzingis are all up for extension it's going to be a very interesting wizards off season and and, and things could change a lot uh by the by next october uh, when we're previewing the next season but let's not rush ahead we still got a great off season coming up thank you guys so much for supporting me throughout this entire season i really do appreciate it thank you so much it was an incredible season here on Wiz Talk with Chase. Again, thank all of you to listen. Thank you, De- my cousin Dexter, for coming on as the guest this year. 
And yeah, again, I hope you guys had fun with the Wizard season, with Wiz Talk with Chase. And we will see you for this all season and next season to continue to get better here at Wiz Talk with Chase. We'll see you guys next. Subscribe, follow, share, view. And of course, as always, I will see you guys next time. Peace.